0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the show, my good friend, Bronson Hill.
1: Hey, Victor. How's it going? Good to be here today. And uh, we got a lot to talk about, don't we?
0: Absolutely. Well, great to have you here. You've been a past guest on the show, and we travel in a lot of the same social circles and investing circles. Now, over the last six months, in particular, there's been a shift. There's no question. There's been a shift in the marketplace. And I know you're based in Los Angeles and you're in multiple different asset classes. Let's start with the general. What are you seeing in the market? What do you? What I know you've pivoted a few on a few fronts. What are you seeing?
1: Yeah. So we, when when rates started rising a couple of years ago, we started uh, making some shifts. We started really ramping up some of the alternatives and things that weren't as dependent on interest rates. And so we have uh, raised uh, over $15 million for ATM machines. So an ATM machine operator, we're doing, you know, just different things than our traditional multifamily that we were doing. So we're doing a senior housing development now in Arkansas, we've got a debt fund that we're doing. Uh, We've noticed in general that uh, investor sentiment has softened. We were talking about that uh, before, you know, just the last couple of years, you know, we were raising much more money uh, from investors much easier and I think a part of it is uh, the wealth effect. Some people have had some struggles in the deals that they're in. Maybe they've had a capital call or two from a deal, especially multifamily, um, and or you know. And then when you have that, that kind of makes you know so- someone less willing to invest in the next new thing. But it also just—it's kind of a sentiment. It kind of spreads around, and then you kind of see people are just kind of. Well, I'm a little more cautious, and you see, for I mean, even though there's all this money, they say I think something like six trillion sitting on the sidelines. Um, there's a lot of waiting, and uh, it's it's interesting, and so there has been a lot more. Um, just patience and waiting and seeing. And uh, I think some of that is understandable. I think some of it is just kind of, you know, investors, a lot of times, you know, the confused mind just says to wait. And uh, yet inflation, I think, is much higher than what it uh, is officially. So I, I think there's a lot of different factors here. Uh, but I think in general, sentiment has definitely softened. And people are, are especially for multifamily, it's it's really softened quite a bit.
0: What do you think is driving that? Is it simply the increase in interest rates? It's just making it more difficult for the numbers to work? I know we're starting to see in a number of markets, the rent growth that we experienced during 2020, 21, 22, that has certainly peaked. And in some markets has um, even started to decline a little bit as maybe more rational minds have prevailed. Is it that simple or is there more to it?
1: Well, I think you know there's a lot of factors here. I mean, I talk about you know finance almost being like a board game that the pieces are continually moving, and the rules are kind of changing a little bit. And so that's you know there's a lot of different factors. So there's inflationary and deflationary factors. But you know when rates go up, the cost of money is higher. So we've what we've seen is initially it really didn't affect much. But over time, a lot of these multifamily properties in various markets, you know one example is Atlanta we own in a submarket in Atlanta. And the same property from you know twenty four months earlier, is worth 42% less in the exact same condition, right? And that's that's an extreme in most other markets, you know, it might be 20 to 30%. But, you know, as an investor, if you only put 20% or 30% down, no matter how you operate that property, where's the equity, right? So it's just, the math has gotten really difficult and we're seeing lenders, there were all these groups that were doing these, you know, recessionary kind of like, funds that we're going to go buy distressed properties where we're not seeing as a lot of distress. We're seeing a little bit, but not a lot. And what's happened is these lenders are actually just, you know, extending and pretending that there's not an issue, right? They're just kind of extending the terms and making it work, which I think is a good thing. They don't want to have a repeat of 2008. But I think as an investor, can you original question, um, you know, again, if you've seen, uh, if you've had a capital call, if you had something that you determined was a very safe investment in anything value add, uh, especially with bridge debt, which most deals have been, there've been some challenges, both in the the, the expenses going up, the costs of uh, a lot of different things, insurance and, and debt, and just even the valuations coming so far down is something that <clears throat> I don't think I don't think really anybody foresaw really happening. So I think that there's a lot more caution right now. And when that's happened in one or two deals, it gets people thinking like, hmm, I don't know, maybe I should kind of wait and see how this plays out.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, we are starting to see some deals coming into the marketplace, and I'm sure you are as well. What are you noticing about that? Are are these uh, distressed deals masquerading as something else? What, What are you seeing?
1: Um, you know, we're, we're not seeing a, a ton of distressed deals. There are some that are coming out. I think the ones that we are seeing are in pretty rough shape. So they're either, you know, I mean, our occasionally we we'll see something that's, you know, 50% occupied in the D area, just kind of a really rough area. A lot of the other ones, I mean, we're seeing kind of lenders and what we're hearing is like, you know, if a property's occupied at 80, 90% and the operating group's doing okay, maybe they can't make their payment, but they're there. They'll just, a lot of times they'll just kind of extend because they know a lender, no matter what they tell you, they don't want to take over that property right they'll they'll try to you know hey if these guys are doing okay because what's going to happen is if they foreclose it's going to go to 50 60% occupied and you know they're going to have to fire sale the property and so and so we're not really seeing it like you know like what has been you know i guess thought that would happen. and of course now even just with the the, the, the Fed saying, hey, we're going our plan is to reduce interest rates three times this year. Um, that, that's dramatically even lowered the interest rate, you know uh, close to a percent in some situations. And so it's interesting too, just the the prospect now is that, oh rates are going to be dropping. And so I think even lenders are saying, hey, let's let's be more involved in lending and let's kind of look at what we have and and figure out what's at risk. And so um, it it is an interesting environment, particularly uh, it's kind of interesting how concentrated it is in in multifamily. But um, it was multifamily was the darling child for so many years. I mean, if you invested between 2010 and 2020, you were a genius, right? Just by owning, right? And now it's become operations is really important. Your debt is incredibly important. And uh, investors are are definitely uh, more cautious.
0: There's no question. And you can, in fact, even in the current environment, like you said, be doing everything right and still have the deck stacked against you. If you're in that situation, if you're in the South and your insurance doubled or tripled or five times, as has happened to some, uh, what do you do? Do you go seek it? You just do a capital call and hope for the best. Hope you get compliance. There's not a strong case for raising additional equity. Nothing to sell. Uh, it, what do you do
1: it's hard you can go do a capital call I mean there was a, a capital call situation that we had and you know I went to one investor and they and a lot of people don't talk about the fact they are capital calls but there's one investor that said hey we've we've had uh, you know I've had five capital calls whatever And I, I just don't have any more to put out there so a lot of times a capital call now is actually becoming less effective and so I, I think really the, the best thing you can do is obviously try to maybe if you're doing a value add deal, maybe stop doing the value add and just really focus on operations, get yourself to 90, 95% or higher in occupancy. And then just be communicating with the lender. You know, if you're communicating with your lender, hey, this is what we're doing, hey, this is what's going on, these are the challenges, this is what happened with insurance. A lot of these lenders know this and they're actually, you know, no matter what they say, again, they don't want to take over a property and they're seeing this in other properties. So I think the more you can communicate with the lender, the more they can be on your side and you say, Well, how how can we help? Solve this together, and you know the, the goal. Really, I think of all this is that you know things will come around, rates will start to normalize or stabilize a bit. Even if they come down a little bit, a lot of this money that's on the sidelines starts to come in, and the asset valuation over time should kind of start to come back because we have an asset that we know. We're depending on which study you look at, we're three to seven million apartment or housing units short in the U.S. But we're, how are we seeing rents kind of go down? Well, we had this crazy time where rents were running up, and so there's come some readjusting. But I think I think looking back in several years, we'll look back on this time and think, man, if I could have bought more deals right now, we'll actually be in a much better shape. Because when you buy right? The buying price is fixed, but the interest rate can be readjusted later. And so I think that when interest rates do come down a little bit or they come down a bit and valuations go up, which I think probably will happen, you know, at some point it will happen in the next couple of years, um, I think we'll look back and say, man, I wish I'd bought more.
0: The fluctuation in rates, I mean, a lot of people point to the Fed as being the arbiter of, of interest rates. But in truth, the short-term rate, the Fed funds rate hasn't moved one iota since July. And yet we've seen the yield on the 10-year Treasury ramp up significantly, peaked in the middle of October, and then ramp down significantly from the middle of October to now. And it really is that yield on the 10-year Treasury that determines the rate for permanent financing. And, And that's what we all live by when it comes to getting permanent financing. So is it really more about market expectation, or is it really what the Fed says that's going to dictate what happens?
1: Well, I think I think it's both. I mean, it's amazing, you know, when the Fed says something, it's like it's become the market. There's such a powerful force in the market. So if the Fed says, "Hey, we're going to raise rates by this amount," or it's going to be this much, and we're going to kill inflation, whatever. Well, you know, if you're an investor or you're a lender, you're like, "Well, if rates are going up, I don't want to be a lender when rates are going to go up because you know if I just wait a little bit." So, but if they're saying, "Hey, rates are going to go down," it's amazing how much power they have just by saying what they're going to do. And so, um, I think you and I both are a little more of a I uh, wish the Fed was was less involved or even the case of for some of us would say hey you know ending the Fed would be a better thing than having a Federal Reserve but this is the game that we're in right this is the game that we're playing we have to pay attention to uh to what they're doing and they are the 800 pound gorilla that's in the middle kind of calling the shots and as long as that happens we're going to have to to kind of watch and respond and of course hopefully the deals we're doing um you know aren't incredibly dependent or if the Fed, you know, does whatever they do, we're we're still going to be okay. And I think that's something that I learned through this. And I think in any environment, it's always important, to investor, that you learn. But I think that, you know, just how going into a situation, um, you know, rates can rise unexpectedly or they could things can happen very differently. And even though it's been Forty or fifty years since this happened, you know, in the seventies and eighties, where rates just kind of went really high all of a sudden. It can happen at any, at any time. You don't expect nobody's really expecting that two, three years ago, but we're seeing it. And there's a reason they're doing it. I think, um, you know, obviously they're doing the best they can. But um, you know, there's a lot of challenges in, in finance. But it's it's a it's a good learning lesson, I guess, for all of us, just that okay, you know, we got to prepare for things, you know, for black swans and things that we don't necessarily expect.
0: Inflation is often driven by the cost of energy because for every unit of economic output there's a, an equivalent unit of energy consumed somewhere in the world. So if the price of energy goes up, then, you know, chances are that you're going to experience the same thing even from uh, from the point of view of uh, of consumer price inflation. So right now we're at a point where energy rates have been relatively stable for much of the past year, but there's definitely some serious warning signs on the horizon. Should we be preparing for a period of increased inflation, or do you, do we think it's under control? What if you're using your crystal ball over the course of the next twelve to eighteen months? What are you forecasting? Are you are you putting contingencies in place in case things do remain remain higher for longer?
1: Yeah, so I think that it, it is definitely a consideration in my book. Uh, Fire Yourself, the new book that came out. Uh, we talk a bit about inflation, and you know, inflation officially, you know, 3%, three percent, three point five percent, kind of in that range generally is what the Fed is saying. I really think it's more like seven or eight percent or higher. I mean, it just depends how you measure it and how you look at it. They've measured, they've changed it, how they measure inflation so many times that yeah. they don't, you know, they can kind of. It's it's not even a real number. They call it the CPI or is this really the CPI? So you know, how do you really see what's happening? And again, even just since. I think it's since September. The federal uh, debt has gone up from 31 trillion to something like 34, over 34 trillion. So over three trillion is in the last three to five months. So we're we're seeing continual spending, and that's the issue too. um, You know, is is the more we spend, the more currency that is basically created, whether through debt or actual, you know, printing or digital creation of currency. you know, we just know that's going to be a certainty. I mean, it's, you know, my friend Mark Moss says that, you know, there's three certainties in life, right? Death, taxes, and inflation. And so we know it's going to happen. So I think as an individual, how I prepare for that, um, is I, you know, I, I don't know if you're of this camp too, but a lot of precious metals. I have physical precious metals that allow me to have ins- insurance against inflation. Um, I also do in you know assets that I see there's some inflation hedge such as uh, commercial real estate you know multifamily developments different things you know senior housing things that I know that hey this is something that we're gonna you know there's a shortage of we're gonna need more of and the cost for this stuff is gonna go up and so that's I think how to use inflation to your advantage is get into assets that are inflation hedged where where you can use some debt towards it so I don't think the strategy has changed even with um, you know with rates rising and things but I, I think those are those are definitely considerations and I think it's something that just to be aware of that hey inflation inflation happens you know stuff happens and, and inflation happens and it's just the more I can prepare and expect that over the long term I don't have a crystal ball in the next 12 to 18 months but I do think that I think inflation will continually be a problem. Uh but how they determine it, they could just all of a sudden say, hey we're back to two percent we're right where we need to be and you're like nothing has changed and prices are still going up at the store and everything and like these guys are liars but like you know, they, they have their agenda and they're doing the job that they need to do to try to get confidence back. And, you know, inflation could actually, real inflation could actually be going up, but they could say it's 2%. Congratulations, pat themselves on the back. And a lot of people would think, oh, they're amazing, you know? And, and so you just have to kind of have another lens when you look at all the information that comes out. Absolutely. Well,
0: Bronson, if uh, folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way?
1: Uh, best place to connect, I'm on all the social media, is my website, BronsonEquity.com. Um, I actually have the f- a free c- first couple chapters of my book. So if someone wants to go there and download that, you can do that for free. The book's called Fire Yourself, Replace Your Working Income with Passive Income in Three Years or Less. And that's at BronsonEquity.com. But I appreciate you having me on today, Victor. It's been a really great conversation. Thank you.
0: I love it. Well, Bronson, uh, always good to catch up. And for the listeners at home, definitely connect with Bronson Hill at BronsonEquity.com and get some of the copies of... Get some of the chapters of his new book, uh, or actually, better still, go get the whole book. And uh, in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.